What's up, guys? Welcome to Counterculture Reacts. My name is Jamie, and to my right is our Shakikon <laughs> <laughs> Zaloom. Um, together, we want to motivate the church to influence the culture with the kingdom of God by applying a biblical worldview to every single topic. Uh, I want to encourage you to subscribe to Freedom Church NJ YouTube channel and wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a comment what you thought, or if you have a topic you'd like us to address. Mm-hmm. And, and our uh, our sponsors, uh, Born Again Baking. Amen. Uh, our guest, Tim Zaloom. He is holding up a cheese danish that uh, uh, Lucy made tonight. That no offense, but this is like the best. <laughs> no offense, you just want to say it's one of some of the best danish you've ever had. <laughs> Technically, I've already had one. Yeah, Tim has already had one. <laughs> <laughs> I ate three. <laughs> um, but anyway, but you can go to uh, boardingandbaking.com and put in CC10 for 10% off your order. And she has sweet stuff, savory stuff, and it's all out of, out of this world. Yeah, it's very good. Very good. Um, also go to friendsoftodayschoice.org. Um, we support them, and um, they do a ton of great work for uh, for women who are either pregnant or uh, just a women's resource center. So we encourage you to check them out and uh, support them and um, pray for them as well. Amen. So today, like uh, like... Like I uh, prematurely said, we have a special guest, somebody that I know very well. Special is a little strong. But it's his Shakikon. <laughs> it's my Shakikon, yes. Brother. And, and yes. our mom says that we're both very special. <laughs> <laughs> he's special and he's also special. He's also special. <laughs> uh, so this is Tim, Tim Zaloom. Tim! Give it up for Tim. Hey! Yay! Yeah. I have two fans. That's wonderful. That's two. Yeah. That's great. Two fans. I wish I had a fan right now. I know. It's a little, it's a little hot. But. That air conditioning is on. Dude. Yeah. All right. Um, and Tim, the reason that he can, can join us on the podcast today, because it's always been a dream of his to make it onto the Counterculture Podcast. It's on my bucket list, clearly. Yes. Yes. Well, now we can check off and check there it out. There you go. There you go. Um, is because, because we record so late. Tim, you want to walk us through that? Yeah. Um, there's definitely proof that um, they record at, uh, what is that, 11.37 p.m. at uh, night on Friday. So, um, yeah, I actually just came from uh, the youth group that I lead over at Marksboro Church in uh, in Blairstown, New Jersey. Shout and, out. It's a great church. So I'm able to uh, oh, okay. come here, you know, after I left at like 10.15. Second best. That's right. Second? Oh, second. Uh, well, you can't say. <laughs> <laughs> the names are removed to protect the innocent that's or whatever right. that phrase that's is. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'm the youth leader over there, and then uh, I help lead the uh, worship music uh, over here at Freedom Church. Mm-hmm. And um, I got to talk to... here forever. With, literally. With me and the, and the family. And uh, You've always been brothers? I, as far as I can remember. I haven't actually always been his brother. That's right. Technically, there was like a year and a half where he wasn't my brother. And his life was, he doesn't even remember any part wow. of his life. But since I came into his life, he's been able to remember almost, uh, almost. I don't anything. remember wow. any part of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I have been able to remember anything in my life. First of all, you came. <laughs> we haven't learned anything wow. over the years. <laughs> yeah. <And> secondly. <laughs> oh. Well, we learned a new Arabic word today. So I'm happy about that. Yeah, Sh- yeah, yeah. Well, learn is really like loose. 
That's a loose terminology there for the word. Yeah. That word was Arabic for brother. Yes. If you guys didn't, I don't know look if you even up. said that. Yeah. Just look it up. Shakiko. Look it up. So we're the, the brothers of Loom. The Sheik. Yeah, that. Yes. <laughs> well, it's great to be here anyway. Good. Well, thanks for we're, having We're me. glad to have you. Yeah. Amen, man. That's uh, great. So we brought Tim on. Uh, the last couple of weeks we've been talking about uh, eschatology. If you guys haven't seen our eschatology videos, uh, the study of the end times and the video that we reacted to. The video. The video. The video. Tim knows it as the video also. Um, be Alpha sure to go and watch podcast. those. Yeah. Uh, be sure to go and watch those videos. Uh, this is going to kind of be like the next step, I guess, uh, in that. Um, we actually got um, one of our church members here, uh, Jamie. Uh, the, the pretty Jamie, not this one over here. Um, she asked for more uh, more information on postmillennialism in particular and a subject called preterism, which are both both subgenres of the end times um, that they did delve into a little bit in the video itself. But um, it's something that all of us here have discussed um, pretty much in depth. So we wanted to give kind of go deeper into that one view instead of all of the different end time views like the video was sure. all about. But we are going to have a little little taste of a pre-millennial viewpoint, right? From yeah. uh, somebody you might know, John MacArthur. Mm -hmm. So we're going to kick it off with a little react mm -hmm. to that. Yeah, a short. And uh, yeah, it's a short. So... Um, Oh, yeah. Good, that only takes us like 40 minutes. I know. Well, that's why I made sure it was <laughs> short. We were like, uh, good. we're going to be stuck on this for a while. <laughs> it can but, edit. Uh, it can. But it'll be really good. Yeah, it should be really good. And uh, I do want to shout out, I am wearing the post-millennial rock, Christian rock band. Okay, skillet. I, I, yeah. I, I that's a to. Nickelback cover band, right? <laughs> Among other things. <laughs> um, Listen, John. No offense. <laughs> no offense, but I think you're a great band. <laughs> um, but uh, you might remember me. I was at your show last year, John. and you almost lit me on fire with your pyrotechnics. <laughs> you're just shouting out John Cooper right now? Yeah, John Cooper, yes. Yeah. Not John MacArthur. <laughs> okay, He's not a post-millennial rock band. It's uh, just some random John. <laughs> there's John, there's Jim from the video, there's too many guys. <laughs> You know John, you know. <laughs> yeah, him. There's a ton, a lot of Johns for sure. But um, anyway, so uh, but Skillet is uh, they actually have risen up on my chain of bands lately because John Cooper is um, standing strong in yeah. the midst of a ton of people who are losing their faith and um, especially in like the rock music scene, which is really unfortunate. Solid but, guy, yeah. But yeah, um, but he is a post millennialist. Well, we, so, we know that you're not out of town. Oh, yeah. You didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. Well, I just told you it ten minutes ago. I just heard it. Breaking news here. <laughs> <laughs> this is exciting. <laughs> hey, yes. Hey, man, we got it. It, <laughs> it is. But it is kind of exciting. I, I, I feel like I did know that, actually. I mean, I was just going to say, it couldn't be because of their music that it's rising up. So clearly it's because of, you know, his eschatology. Is this new for John Cooper? No. Well, no, like, since like COVID, I would think. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah cool. But Depends on your definition. You of were so focused remember. on saying it's a Nickelback cover band. You yes, didn't, even I didn't even hear you. me when You're I right. told you that You're he's right. post I'm sorry. This I'm guy. sorry. Will you forgive me? <sighs> tomorrow. I All right. We'll be friends him. tomorrow. We'll be friends again tomorrow, <laughs> which is in 20 minutes. <clears throat> oh, that's true. Good. Well, yeah. Well, we should probably get started. <laughs> we're never going to finish. <laughs> 
<laughs> so we're gonna start first by watching Tim cringe for a minute. <laughs> oh boy! I'm just taking down one oh of my boy. heroes. That's all. Yeah, no, and, and no. we do we do love John MacArthur. <laughs> Nobody's um, taking him down. Yeah, and and you know we've learned a ton from him. Yeah. And, and do respect him, but on this uh, topic, um, well, we would all disagree with that. Respectfully disagree. It's a, disagree. Yeah, I mean, well, by, the topic and just, the, the, short. <laughs> just the, the present, the nature of the presentation, yeah. which kind of drives me a little crazy. I don't, I don't than, know more what than this anything. Yeah, so. Tim has never seen this. We just watched it a minute ago. So, you guys ready? This is what you I'm guys ready. Do in your spare time. And uh, Tim, anytime you want to pause it, I don't know if this will work for the short, but I think it will. But we'll, we'll watch the whole short. Yeah, it's then, only a short. <laughs> yeah, but then for the other video, you can just, <laughs> we're gonna watch the whole thing, Tim. The whole <laughs> thing. The world's so what I wanted to say is <laughs> the words. See how he said that? It's gonna be a long night. If you decide no, 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 that's not not Arthur. <laughs> you wanted me to react to that? That's a very shocking video. If you decide, okay, I wanted to do that so that this will be new. And there are people who think the world's going to get better. They have a label. They're called post-millennialists. That view says that the world is going to get better and better and better and go right into the millennial kingdom. And Christ will come at the end of the millennial kingdom. The millennial kingdom will be the product of the efforts of the church and the redeemed in the world. And they produce a better world. They produce the kingdom and they give it to Christ. Well, I'll promise you one thing. Jesus was not a post-millennialist. He certainly didn't believe things were going to get better and better and better. While history is waiting for him to come back, there will be a barrage of false Christ, false teachers, false prophets, wars, disasters, persecution, all through human history, and getting worse and worse and worse. And at the end, the explosion of these kinds of things will reach epic proportions that are described in Revelation 6 through 19 in a seven-year period called the time of tribulation. There are people who think that... There you go. And that's it. So, Tim, maybe you can uh, frame frame the discussion for us on postmillennialism and maybe how preterism yeah, has to deal with, with that as well. Well, I'm glad you brought me on and not some other schmuck that so, would have to go. So, so, I don't have to, to so I don't have to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, as the resident Whenever expert you here, don't know what to say, <laughs> just, just eat some of your Danish. <laughs> Jamie, fill some time. Hold on a minute. Um, okay. Or do you want to listen to it again? Well, <clears throat> I mean, I was caught a little off guard. Um, <clears throat> one thing that kind of stood out was things are going to get worse and worse and worse, and then he does st- <laughs> he does quickly state that <laughs> in a period described in. Revelation 6 to 19, mm-hmm. that's going to be a seven-year period known as the Tribulation. But he doesn't actually get the seven-year period from the book of Revelation. He's getting that from, uh, like, oh, Daniel Testament 9. Sure. Um, I think. Um, like, Daniel 9, where the 70th week isn't complete. So there's one week that still has to be complete. So, mm-hmm. um, but he's, like, combining that very quickly, which we're, we'll probably have to do some of that here, too. In the mm-hmm. sense of like when you're talking about like the sure. scope of everything, sure. so um, you know, and this is a YouTube short, so yeah, yeah, it is hard to. But it kind of made it sound like in Revelation <laughs> it talks about the seven year, right? Um, like explicitly, like like as if just open, right? You open uh, Revelation six and all of a sudden, right, like, right. and then starts the seven year tri- <laughs> like right, yeah. tribulation, right. and all of these things are going to happen, mm-hmm. and it's it's so that that's a little. Um, misleading there i mean the the blending of all of that stuff i I understand harmonization but but that's not even harmonization that's just like 
this fits my narrative, so I'm going to plug it in there with the Old Testament references. Yeah, you know, the, the, with this, <clears throat> the extra week in yeah is, is because it's like well, tough. I mean that doesn't in uh, if I if I remember the scripture enough that 70th week doesn't talk about things getting worse and worse and worse and then all of these great tribulation kind of things so right? i know that we're not in, <coughs> going into daniel 9 in but daniel. daniel 9 is literally crazy when you start talking about the different views i might ha- yeah, i might have to actually get it let's look well, i mean unless you like unless you have the bible unless you're like with misquotations of scripture on your podcast tim how do you not like have daniel it. 9 memorized i did Used to have this guy calls him, this verse. This guy calls himself the preterism expert. <laughs> I didn't. You did. You're the one who asked me to come on here. <laughs> yeah, but I thought you you and Ken Gentry really. <laughs> I have emailed somebody who was an expert in preterism. And what did he tell you? He told me, "Good job." And in, in summarizing, <laughs> that, uh, I think you summarized it correctly. I think you summarized it well. Yes. Do you know what verse in Daniel nine? Yeah, nine twenty-seven. I believe is what it is. Uh, so starting in twenty-five. Yeah, you can. Probably no one understand this from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the Anointed One. Keep going. The ruler comes. Just keep going. There will be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. After the sixty-two sevens, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. Okay, right there. So the anointed one will be cut <clears throat> off, right? That's the Messiah. <clears throat> Literally, right. though. Here's the thing. It, oh, wait, keep going. Sorry. Go to the middle of the week. Uh, the people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will... Okay, in- pause that. Okay. okay. So, it's so crazy. The, the preterists will take it. That is That is Christ. And... The futurists will take that as the Antichrist. Right. Mm. It, it, it couldn't be any yeah. more different. It, it's, yeah, so like when you're seeing the two positions, well, with yeah. the Preterist view, which is um, things that were in the future of whoever was writing the uh, prophecy or saying the prophecy, but in our distant past. So it, Daniel's giving the prophecy that gets fulfilled in his future, but it's in our past. Um, the futurists will push it to even to our future. And um, so because of that, with Daniel 9, which is the seven <clears throat> in the middle, like MacArthur, I believe it's tough to know exactly what everybody holds. Um, but in the middle of the seventh, after three and a half years, the... And, 42 months. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. um, the Instead of Messiah being cut off, so instead of um, like Christ's sacrifice happening, mm-hmm. it's um, that that last week is pushed to two thousand plus years into the future, and like it. So because in twenty five from the mm-hmm. from the decree to go out, right? Yeah. So they'll take they'll take that. The ruler then, comes, but, but then they they, the they stop one. it. They stop it until the Antichrist is going to come to fulfill that last week. So that's what he's talking about with that. Okay, so what would the preterist say? Well, so the preterist is saying that it's Christ. Christ comes, and then Christ is getting cut off. And when Christ gets cut off... The crucifixion? Well, yeah, that's that's when... Because um, he makes a covenant with one for one week, right? So that's the... La- that's the... Uh, he will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. Yeah. In the middle of the seven, right. he will put an end to sacrifice right. and offering. And the preterist is saying that's Jesus. Jesus, with his disciples, he makes his covenant with them, and then he's cut off, and he dies. And on a wing... <laughs> Of the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation. Well, now you're letting me go into 
all of Daniel 9, which I'm not ready to do. It was just the next sentence. Yeah, I know, but I'm not ready to go into all of oh, Daniel 9 right me. now. I'm sorry. But that would, that would be more of a suggestion that it is um, not Jesus, right? Because he's the one who's, who's bringing an abomination that, that brings desolation, right? So Christ will set up the abomination that causes desolation? No. Until the end that his decree is poured out on him. Right. Well, because the preterist would say that it, it is God who is behind that sure, judgment. Sure. Right. You know? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I understand that, but I also understand the other point, you know, and how you could read it. Yeah. Um, from, a, from a futurist perspective. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, except, except that for, you're, you're moving the last week to right, like a right. 2000. Oh, no, no. I understand that, break. too. Well, I'm just saying that I could see how you could. You know, if yeah. you, if you can play fast and loose with some of that time frame stuff, you could read that and say, "Well, this you know, this looks like the Antichrist, you know, or or the, be- the, the that, beast." And or that is prophet. yeah, and that is why it is crazy and that literally, the I, as you're reading the as you're reading the passages, you're you're like, it, it, I don't know, it just boggles my mind that like it's like, nope, it's Christ, no, it's the Antichrist, and just like. Mm-hmm. Boggles my brain. Well, it's interesting that it uses the term anointed one, which literally means Messiah. Right. I don't know how you can yeah. Messiah. The, the actually, some versions actually say Messiah will be cut off. But do yeah. the futurists take that word, the Messiah, to be the Antichrist? The anointed one? You got to ask MacArthur. Oh, okay. That. Okay. MacArthur yeah. <laughs> um, didn't even bring up Daniel. You kind of have to. You would, right? You would kind of have to. The. If you're if you're reading it as a futurist, the the stuff around it would would kind of force you to read that yeah. as as yeah. a false messiah kind yeah. of thing. Um, can you just read that? One Which more is time? in the middle of the seven, he would put an end to sacrifice and there, offering. When he puts the, uh, yeah. the end to sacrifice, it's like the veil the veil sure. the veil sure. being torn. Yeah. So you have. Um, but, but they would see that as oh, see, he comes in and he he. He's the one who defiles the temple right. and shuts off the sacrifice yep. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's so, going to sacrifice the pig in the temple or something like that. Yeah, so I think... That's all more left behind. I don't know how much okay. like left yeah. behind and MacArthur are like aligned. Yeah, yeah. I but. think he wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there is a lot of, of nuance like that. And mm-hmm. actually, one of the things with the preterist position that's hard... Um, Doug Wilson, who's going to be in the video, yeah. what he says is like the, the preterist can be quick to try and just use a hammer. It's like, it's like yes. hey, there's a bunch of nails... And it's like I just want everything. It's like a big, shiny air yeah, it's like I just want everything, and just looking something in history. And it's like it's mm. that, and it's that, and it's yeah. that, and it's that. And it's always going to be harder for the preterist to be like, I know exactly how every little thing in history mm-hmm. matches this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that, that that you're saying because um, history happened the way it happened. Because history happens right. the way it happens, and as we'll as we'll see, the 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 language being used in Daniel is apocalyptic. So you have to understand the genre that it's being written right. in, yeah. the people that it's being written to, and how they would understand that. To put it all together, then you have timing and how much you're going mm-hmm. how much weight you're going to put on timing. Right. I, I will put a lot on, on timing right. for my oh, own just yeah. just for my own like if I'm going to believe something is true or not. To try it's, to get a framework on what to yeah. believe. Yeah. That helps you to put stuff into a category that you can say it has to be so this time period, at least, it's even very, if I don't know all the details, it's very hard for me to accept the. There's a two thousand year break, or there's a twenty five hundred year break. You know, like, sure. like in the middle, it's like it was a seventy weeks prophecy. It mm-hmm. was, it wasn't, What's a, and, and it, it, it wasn't a three thousand year prophecy. Mm-hmm. It was a four hundred. You know what I mean? It's like it's it's very hard to um, 
to just throw that away. Mm-hmm. Um, and, without good reason in the Bible. Yeah. Right. You know, without the Bible without saying being, that. Without being forced to do it. <clears throat> right. You know, you yeah. want the scripture to make that right. happen. Right. Yeah. right. And, uh, and it doesn't. Yeah. But the hard thing for, so the easy thing for the futurist is to say, well, it just hasn't happened yet. Which could be um, like you're not under like you're not sure. understanding the imagery, or you're saying it's just too hard to hammer all the nails in. Like it's too hard to right. pinpoint everything. Right. It can't have happened. Scripture can't be wrong, so it must still be in the future. Right. That's where the futurists will will go. Um, which is why we still respect the position, but um, with the preterist position, it that is one of the harder things to do. Is like you're you're unable to just be like. Oh, it's in the future. It's it's like you're saying, you know, it happened in history. And mm-hmm. then the question will then be, okay, well, when did it happen in mm-hmm. history? How did it happen in history? If it happened differently than like, and we'll see the different types of readings sure. uh, in the video that's coming up, then if it didn't happen like that, well, is is the Bible false? Is the, mm-hmm. Like, was the prophecy untrue? And like, it, and yeah. so... Um, you have a lot of you do have a lot more work to put in mm-hmm. in the, in the preterist position mm-hmm. um, than because you in, have to kind of prove it from history than in some that, of the other that ones. it happened yeah. yeah yeah a lot of the passages that MacArthur it has printed on the video that he so I don't know if he even goes to these verses but I'm assuming that he he is because Wait, were those vi- verses pro or against they're pro oh, they're did you see it. him on the bottom so it'd be like Luke and Matthew 24 I'm old my Luke eyes 21. are gone man I couldn't Mark I, I, yeah, Luke 21 <clears throat> so um, but the reason that MacArthur is saying, see, obviously things are not going to be getting better and better in the world because look at what Jesus says. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars and stuff like that. And the reason that preterism factors into this discussion so prominently is because preterism is saying all of those things that Jesus did say was going to happen did actually happen, but they're not for our future necessarily. They are for the generation that Jesus was talking to there. And one way that you can see that is in one of the verses that was on the the video that was kind of pasted on there in Luke 21. I have it up here. Um, Luke 21, uh, we'll start in verse 16. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends. They will put some of you to death. All men will hate you because of me. So that doesn't sound like a bright future, right? Right. But who is Jesus talking to? What time period is he talking about? Is that throughout the course of all church history, or is that a specific time frame that maybe is not going to happen throughout all church history sure. so then it says uh, verse 19 by standing firm you will gain life and then verse 20 when you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies you will know that its desolation is near and that goes back to Daniel chapter 9 right. where it talks about the abomination, abomination desolation, desolation. Yeah. and what Jesus is saying is you're when you who's the you right. that Jesus is talking right. to like because it's it's not us right it's not the people when this kind of thing happens in you know three thousand years later, he's talking to a specific group of people ask, who are asking the question. Look at this temple, right in Luke uh, twenty-one. Some some of his uh, verse five. Some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus says, "As for what you see here, Jesus talking to the disciples, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down." And we know that that actually happened in the time period that Jesus' followers were still alive. Right, and in in reference to Matthew 24, where he says, this generation will not not pass away until these things take place. Right. Um, Well, so the abomination that makes desolate, that goes back, I think, to Daniel 9.27. We just read read that. Right, and that's the 
abomination that takes yeah, place, right. which is which is after Christ. So he makes yeah. Christ makes the end of the sacrifice, and then like Christ's oracle of judgment through. Right. I think it says the prince that is to come. In, I, in Daniel, I, I could be wrong about that. It, um, uh, it didn't say prince anywhere. But. Okay, but that's that's one of the the things with preterism mm-hmm. where you can see when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, like Luke twenty one says, um, mm-hmm. and he's talking about he's talking to people who are. Um, asking the question of like when will these things be and then he gives them a time frame to just kind of right. move that into like our future right right yeah is is tough is it's very tough stretch. Yeah. um but then again on the preterist side it's very hard to be like okay so now i have to <laughs> i have to you know yeah, answer the this, questions make of, make sense, of, right? of literally right. everything so it's and definitely you, and been, you don't want to make it make right. sense you know it's just you want to you want to search history mm-hmm. and see if it lines up and, and, the, and, the, lang- and, the, and the language. Like, what, yeah. what, I understand those things. Yeah, the type yeah. of language yeah. that it is. Yeah, the problem that I have with what MacArthur was saying, though, is he said this is going to happen throughout church history and get worse, progressively worse, until the end comes. But, like, what Jesus says, continuing on in Luke 21, verse 21, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the city get out. Let those in the country not enter the city. Like, that's not for everywhere, right. you know, in the world. Like, Jesus is very local when he's talking about that. That's good. I mean, I wasn't planning on going to Jerusalem, but right, I'll, right. I'll watch. Yeah. And, you know, like, make sure you're not, sure going, to not going to Jerusalem because then you'd have to flee to Judea yeah, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by yeah, armies. That's my favorite thing to pray. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody have any prayer requests? I... I'm praying that the tribulation doesn't happen when uh, it's the Sabbath or... This is exciting! <laughs> <laughs> or in winter. Or in winter or nursing. I really don't want my, <laughs> my wife children. to be pregnant <laughs> or nursing. <laughs> It's like wait, so wait, and we don't we don't mean to, me. to poke fun. It's just if if that oh, is, I meant to poke fun on that. One. If that, that was, is that not, uh, I mean to, to poke derogatory fun no, at our pre right. at that's our correct. premillennial. Yeah. Um, well, because people could do it to either position, and yeah. and, and that's um, in, in but they're you know there's, yeah. there's humor. But it, we're yeah. just having fun, but we are looking to see things that are that are actually lined up with scripture. We're not we're not yeah. looking to bash another yeah. point of view. He almost sounded like he had a historicist position where he was saying like right. throughout church history it got worse and worse and worse. Um we're going to define all these terms in the next video we're going to do. Yeah. That, uh, Doug Wilson is going to be explaining postmillennialism and preterism so that it will define it and so that you're not lost <laughs> in it's this discussion very good at all. Video. But we did just want to start with this just to kind of get a flavor of how people sometimes view postmillennialism too. You yep, know, yep. I think I, I would say the majority of evangelicals in today's evangelical church do view postmillennialism in terms of things are getting better or going to get better, and the kingdom of God is going to be expanding and growing throughout church history. This is a really good point. As a, um, they they don't see it right. in the world because they see the LGBTQ agenda and abortions and things and persecution of the church, and they can't see how how are things getting better when obviously like there's so much bad in the world still um but just because there's bad in the world now does not mean that uh if there are promises in scripture that when when jesus comes has all authority and he's um one by one taking out his enemies you know in the world if that's happening now if you have a different perspective on it you actually it totally does or it totally could make sense you know well Um, so people also look at instead of that, like it, like their their viewpoint of better and better is very narrow, mm-hmm. and so it, it, right. it becomes like, well, yes, of course we're all still sinners, right? But it doesn't mean that the church and and the Christian principles 
yes. have not influenced the, the world since Green since the, the church oh, yeah. received the spirit, Coffee. you know, and started to do the work yeah. of the church. It's like to so so this idea big, big, of take a that, big picture view yeah, of the church. That, that the world is not better off because of the church mm-hmm. now than it was back then. I mean, the 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 world is like is, so much is so much yeah. better. It, it is in 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 so many ways. It's more prosperous. Mm-hmm. It's more free. And everywhere that that the church is, has taken root. It is. It has made that civilization better, mm-hmm. you know. So, so to, to to have this narrow viewpoint mm-hmm. of, well, people are still sinning is essentially what they're saying, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like, well, well, of course, people are still sinning, but as the church does its job, mm-hmm. the culture advances and benefits from mm-hmm. that. So, yes, the world is significantly better than it was in the dark ages, yeah. and you know, it's yeah. like oh, know. it's significantly yeah. better. Somebody, yeah. somebody asked. I heard this from. I think, I think it was Doug. Um, give me, give me your best argument for how the world is better now than it was in like the first century. Let's say. Yeah. And he said, I can sum it up in one word: dentistry. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> he didn't sum it up with in one word like the president did. <laughs> I can sum it up in one word. Feminism. And we just got kicked off YouTube. <laughs> we haven't been ca- kicked off yet. We talked about all kinds of stuff. This is exciting. <laughs> I've always wanted to get kicked off YouTube. <laughs> Thanks, Tim, for coming on. Oh yeah. <laughs> Even though you had nothing to do with it. <laughs> right. I did want to expound on that um, yeah, topic yeah. that you were talking about about the like getting better and better. But mm-hmm. I think we should probably react to the actual video. Well, you, you can offer. say. What are you, the boss well, now? You're I, a guest. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah, why don't you let me decide that? Yeah, well, you're not the boss of us. Just eat your Danish. You're just Planning my... to come on for this video. All I did was get a John MacArthur and a Daniel Nine. <laughs> What's going on? Here? Just eat your fifth Danish. I did get. I did get a uh, get born again bake. I did get a bake. Yes, I did get born, born again baking. Baking. <laughs> <laughs> Children, <laughs> things about things about getting better and better. And better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's important to know, like the gospel going forth, especially in in Revelation twenty. Um, one of the big things is Satan being bound mm-hmm. to in order to deceive the nations. And I think this is somewhere I would even probably it's not differ- deceive the nations anymore. Right, he's bound. Right. So that he's bound, so he can't deceive the nations anymore. Um, and um, this is something I think I probably slightly disagree. Well. Don't line up with uh, Doug Wilson, who's going to be doing the video that we're going to be <laughs> editing. In that, he, in, in well, in the video, he will say um, things will continue the way they are now, which is pretty bad. And I would actually kind of push back on that in the mm-hmm. sense of like the gospel has gone forth to like a lot, if not like all of the world, and literally. Somebody on the other side of the world can now just pick up their phone and go on, like, freedomchurchnj.com. Yeah. Watch your videos. And watch Jamie or Pastor Steve or anyone proclaim the gospel. Mm-hmm. The apostles would have thought that as, like, yes, we're winning. Yeah. Like, are you kidding? Like, he, he said go and preach the gospel to every, to teacher, every yeah. nation. Right. Yeah, that's actually every really nation. Good point. Every mm-hmm. nation has the gospel. Mm-hmm. That's a gr- great somewhere. Bibles have been translated about, into almost every oh, yeah. language. Like, yeah, like that's a great thing to tell people. Uh, you know, when they when they question, oh, things are getting better. It's like, well, I mean, 
look at it from the apostles' perspective. Mm-hmm. What do you think they would be saying? Right Huge, now? You, you know, yeah. because it, it puts the it puts the framework back where it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Like their focus was disseminating the gospel right. and making disciples. Right. Is that is that happening? Yeah. Has that they literally happened? have the most you, successful you know? mission ever yep. in the history of the world. Yep. Yeah. Nobody has been more successful yeah. than them. Mm-hmm. Somebody can now hear their gospel on the other side of the world instantly. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And that was their yeah, goal. Such a great, I mean, such a great so so point. to me, I push back a little bit on the um, like things are terrible now type yeah, of thing, yeah, just yeah. because from the standpoint of the gospel going forth to all the nations, it doesn't necessarily end in. I think like Doug will push Christendom a little more than I will, yeah. or mm-hmm. or theonomy a little more. I mean, he does it. I think I like in a the correct, Christendom. I do I think, think yeah, I do think he <clears throat> does it in a correct way. Yeah. Um, uh, and and there's others who who don't do it in a correct way a and, he, more, and he, a little more militant well and he responds to them, and he responds to them. so can you uh, define I, any of these terms please for our listeners uh, I'm, I'm looking out for you guys theonomy oh sorry i just said christendom and theonomy <laughs> that's right, I, please and right. don't brought, turn it off yet and i randomly brought up daniel nine okay um just just that um the world will be christianized right and and even that term there um so like the oh, state and the church will be yeah. One. So 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 and and I think there is a place of that and Doug is very very Almost good on that. Just think of like America when it was first founded. Yeah. Founded on biblical principles. Pretty much if you were in America when it was first year, you were either a Christian or you were allowed to come in but you knew you were going to get the Bible and Christian principles. Yeah. And so even though that only happened in like America, still the rest of the world was not Christianized in that way, but America could have been seen as a Christian nation. Well, England, England would have sure. would have had that foundation yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. But I mean so, the rest, not yeah. not to the whole world, obviously. Right, right. Yeah, but just the the point that where he says, uh, like MacArthur says, um, they think that things will get better and better and better and better and better, and then they will usher in and give the kingdom to um, Christ as He comes. The Father will give the kingdom to the Son. Um, no, the Father, the Son gives it to the Father. Sorry, thank you. He will deliver the kingdom over to the Father, having abolished all rule and authority. That's First Corinthians fifteen, I think. That is in the Bible, right? So that's it. <laughs> yeah, but it's in First First Corinthians stuff. So. Um, Such an easy book to interpret. Sorry, um, that chapter is pretty no, easy yeah, compared, but, and compared then, to and Christ, right, right. Christ, Christ delivers the consummate kingdom to the Father, and so things getting better and better and better can make it sound like it's like oh, and so then Christians are just going to get like better and better and better, and more wealthy and powerful, and like it's very like mm-hmm. oh, so you're just like very materialistic, right. you know? And it's like it, it, it's not that at <clears> all. It is it is the reach of the gospel to humanity to save. All kinds of people, which when the when the apostles started, it was like it was given to Israel. Like even Jesus says, I came for the lost sheep of Israel. Right. And then I send out my messengers. Right. That's and I send out the apostles. Go go get the nations. Right. You know? And to me, I I, I just look around and I'm just like this is incredible. That, that kind of happened. This is incredible. Yeah. Like great, I'm seeing it happen. It's exciting. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so so I do I do push back on the on the whole like all well, things are just getting worse and worse. I mean like sin is still in the sure, world and like if you don't have changed hearts and minds, people are going to do really bad things. But people have churches. But that just they what can is your perspective to? on better and worse? Right. Yeah. <clears throat> if it's about the gospel's reach, then yeah, it's, then it's definitely better than it was in the first century. Another yeah. definition. Right. You know, exactly. we have to define these things. Yeah. All right. So why don't we go on Let's to on. to our main course? Are you sure? Tonight. I am now. I'm sure because I get to decide that. Got it. Um, and I did want to say, if you guys want to stop it at any point, definitely feel free to do so. Not you guys watching. 
<laughs> no, you have to watch it. <laughs> you guys it. keep watching. You're please. not allowed to take breaks. Um, um, they already turned it off. So. <laughs> no, but um, because I would like this to just be the the easiest and most simple way that anybody watching can be like, I know what postmillennialism is now yeah. and preterism. So maybe if there's if you know like pushback from a premillennial point of view, that would push back to that. Just be like, all right, so here's why this is important of what Doug is saying. Because Doug is going to give a very pro-post-millennial you know, point of view here, obviously. And we don't just want to be like, yep, it's a pro of that, but uh, to make it really easy for everybody to understand. Sounds good. Sound good? Yeah, so man. this is uh, Doug Wilson uh, speaking on post-millennialism and what it means. Production. The scriptures contain many prophecies, and so it is that one of the most important things we can do as Christians is learn how to read them. We are to do more than believe what we read. We are supposed to understand what we are believing. Such a great line. Because yeah. we want to be intelligent Bible believers, we have to address a common misunderstanding right at the outset. To have an absolute faith in the scriptures as the word of God given to us by God himself is not the same thing as saying that we interpret those scriptures woodenly. Now what do I mean by that word woodenly? When Jesus says that he is the door, John 10, 9, it would be a wooden interpretation that looked for a doorknob. Literally. It would also be a wooden door. When David says that the Lord makes him lie down in green pastures... Oh, I'm, so, God. I'm sorry. Just... Doug has such subtle humor. Oh, I know. It's it's, it's it's Yes. I just have to laugh. He's so good. He's so witty. <laughs> Psalm 23, a wooden interpretation would say that all good Christians must go find a comfortable place to lie down beside the still waters. Well, sure, the response might be, but who is foolish enough to do that? No one is foolish enough to do this with the examples given above, but there are plenty of examples of exactly this kind of thing in the history of the church. When the Lord said, this is my body, was he really encouraging us to think that the bread and wine turned literally into his physical body and blood? <laughs> All the Catholics just turned this off. <laughs> I was going to say, shots fired. <laughs> when unbelievers find out that we are biblical absolutists, they sometimes think that this means that we take everything literally. But sometimes, as we will see shortly, taking the Bible literally is actually a way of distorting and misunderstanding it. Yeah. I can't tell you how true that is, yeah. and because pe people will will say, "Oh, you just want to spiritualize things, or you want to make it metaphorical, or something like that," and that the correct way of understanding it might be in a metaphorical sense mm -hmm. or in a non-literal, the way that we see literal, right? The way that right. we normally would think of of literal um, in that way. Um, so, like in Revelation, where it talks about the. The, the beast coming out, not the beast, um, the cave crickets coming out of the, the, yeah. the abyss. <laughs> yes. Uh, all the demons and stuff. Like, if if you think that that's, that's literally going to happen, it's probably not Sorry. because of <laughs> the, um, because of the genre that Revelation is written in. It's not written in, in those sure. kind of terms sure. because it's a different type of book. Um, but then people will, and I know people even in our church, They'll jump to those things and be like, well, I want to interpret it literally unless I have another way of, and a good reason to not. Sure. And I think Doug is going to provide, and, and hopefully we can provide, really good reasons why that's not always a good way to interpret scripture. And like he just said, 
a lot of times it's going to distort the actual <laughs> yeah. meaning of the text. Well, yeah. And, and you get on, it, it kind of can make you get on your high horse and be like, I'm just interpreting it literally. But you could be interpreting it wrongly then. Right. And that's not a good place to be. Right. Yeah, you, know? you have to under, understand the genre. And then um, if, you, if you take the definition that he gave for woodenly mm-hmm. and add it to your literal interpretation, right, right. how does that fare? That, you know, yeah. is it, it you know, um, and and there's so much of that that goes on yeah. with the with the different eschatological viewpoints. Yeah. So so he's going to touch on. Yeah. Well, when you why is that? when you I don't know. It's kind of how you define the word literally too, because yeah. I would say you, you want to take the Bible literally in terms of like whatever its literal meaning is, right. you're going to take. But yeah. what he means by literally there is like you you read the literal words and then you apply them in that fashion not well this is the literal meaning that was intended right. mm-hmm. you know because that's that's actually what he's trying to get at oh yeah is yeah. Uh, and and he'll he'll get into how he's going to define intent. that yeah mm-hmm. sorry how it's right i'm not in charge here so <laughs> we should rather believe that the bible is the absolute word of god and so we therefore take it naturally, naturally. Mm-hmm. taking the scriptures naturally means that we take it the way it presents itself to be taken. When Luke claims to have interviewed a number of eyewitnesses, Luke 1, 1 through 4, and to have written down a sober history for us, how do we take it? We take it naturally, as sober history. What does it mean when we are told that Jesus entered Capernaum? Probably that he entered Capernaum. (laughs) When Asaph used a vivid poetic image to describe God's sudden intervention and deliverance on behalf of his people, that is how we ought to take it. Quote, Then the Lord awaked as one out of sleep, and like a mighty man that shouteth by reason of wine. Psalm seventy-eight sixty-five. Lots of problems could be created if we take things like this woodenly. God is not a heavy drinker. For <laughs> I think we'd all agree on that. The liberals will challenge you. The prophecies of scripture frequently come to us in a peculiar literary form called apocalyptic. As with poetry, there's a heavy use of imagery, but the imagery is so pronounced that the effect on the reader is like viewing a huge, colorful, verbal mural. The word apocalypse means unveiling, and so apocalyptic writing is a behind-the-scenes look at certain momentous events in covenantal history, and we are given that glimpse through a combination of vivid word pictures, allegory, poetic images, and more. The book of Revelation is apocalyptic, as are parts of Daniel and Zechariah. If you read it woodenly, then you will have to do things like assume that Jesus has a gigantic sword coming out of his mouth, Revelation 1.16. So this is the first challenge in reading this kind of prophecy. Do we interpret the images literally or symbolically? The second challenge has to do with our assumptions about when the prophecies are supposed to be fulfilled. And not surprisingly, this has a necessary effect on how we interpret the images. It goes in the other direction also. How we interpret the images will necessarily drive when they could possibly be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Let me give an example of how these two issues might interact with one another. In Matthew 24, Jesus famously says this, quote, Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. That's Matthew 24:29. Now this is plainly a prophecy. Jesus is talking about some point in his future, and he describes it in these quite striking terms. 
Naturally, one of the first questions a believing Bible reader will have is this one. Has this happened yet? In order to answer the question, he goes outside and looks at the night sky. <laughs> the moon is still there. The stars are still twinkling, bright as ever. The sun just went down normally six hours before. Because of his assumption that Jesus could not have been mistaken, which is a good assumption, and because the heavenly lights are all still up there and functioning, he naturally assumes that this prophecy is speaking about a time to come in his future. There will come a time when the sun will go out, followed by the moon, and the stars will fall. In order to get to this conclusion, he has to assume that the darkened sun is a literally darkened sun, the moon goes literally dark, and the stars literally fall. To do anything else with such a prophecy feels like you are somehow explaining it all away, so, and that feels like some form of liberalism. So, what people say. But there is more to it. Among those who believe the Bible, there are different schools of thought with regard to the fulfillment of such biblical prophecy. Here he's going to define the terms. And when I say, believe the Bible, I'm talking about genuine faith, faith in the inspiration, infallibility, and inerrancy of Scripture. Right. The names of these positions are the Futurist, the Historicist, the Idealist, and the Preterist. To illustrate the differences between the positions, I will take material from the book of Revelation, as this is the central prophecy when it comes to the last things. One believes that when the vision of Revelation was first given, the fulfillment of it was to be found in John's future, but because it hasn't happened yet, those events must also be in our future. This, not surprisingly, is called the futurist position. If someone were to say that the beast of Revelation is the European Union, a revived version of the Roman Empire, this would be a futurist interpretation. The historicist believes that fulfillment was all in John's future, but that fulfillment began almost immediately and has continued to do so down through church history. This is the historicist position. For example, in 1572, thousands of Protestants were slaughtered in the St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre. If someone interpreted this as a fulfillment of the persecution described in Revelation 13, 5-10, it would be an example of the historicist interpretation. The idealist position reads the book of Revelation as something of a gigantic sky parable. No one single literal fulfillment, but rather multiple fulfillments, all of them illustrated by the conflict described throughout the book. This is also sometimes called the spiritual interpretation. In Revelation 11, the two witnesses are raised to life again, and this strikes consternation among those who witness it. The idealist position would take this as a testimony to the fact that down through church history, the world appears to have utterly defeated the church, but when God vindicates his people, the enemies of God are completely thrown by it. The last position, and the one... Yeah, before we get to that, yeah. I just have to say... I'm not impressed with the idealist position in <laughs> any way. Like, I, I actually was like, this makes the futurist position so much more palatable for me. I'm like, wow, I really respect them for it. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, I don't know if I've ever talked to somebody who has an idealist. Mm -hmm. like, like, are you an idealist? It seems like a more you know, um, like Eastern side of the world to look at it. Maybe. You know, less literal in any sense. You yeah, know? It, it just takes everything. Like, like where where do you draw the line in anything um, when it's like, well, this is just a parable of good and evil? Or, you know what I mean? Like, like well, okay, so uh, can I do that? In, like, do we do that in Romans, yeah, right, too? Right, Are we right. going to do that with, mm -hmm. like, 
are we going to do that in Ephesians? Like, like what, what other what other books are we allowed to do yeah, that with? Yeah, you know, well, or I think a big a big point with that, which is a really good point, is the people who were receiving the Book of Revelation. Like, this was written to churches. Yeah. This was going to be spread to those seven churches that were in the like literal places <laughs> that were going to be receiving this book. They are going to know. And this was your point, Tim. Uh, you were telling me a couple weeks ago. They they know what that book is talking about. At least, probably more than a lot of people today do. Oh yeah, for right? sure. Yeah. Um, so, for one example, when it says, "Let him who has understanding reckon the number of the beast," <laughs> for it is the, no, the number of a man. Yeah. This is not a satanic number. Well, it's like why? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like why is John even putting like why, why is John putting COVID. it in there? <laughs> yeah, COVID yeah. vaccine. Oh boy. Like the podcast that we listened to, the baseball podcast, they had number 666, their 666th episode, so they made it all like a demonic, oh, spooky yeah, yeah, episode, yeah. and I'm like, it's the number of a man. Yeah. This is not, like, it's just how humans have twisted yeah. the scripture, cause that, and probably some Christians didn't help with that. Um, no doubt. From the... And they weren't, I, I don't, pre- and they weren't preterists. They weren't preterists. That, that's what, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, but saying, you know, it's the Antichrist, right? And so yeah. this is all, then what's the Antichrist? Who is Antichrist? Satan. You know, like I can see how that would make it, but well, that's the not what. mentioned in Revelation? The, the Antichrist. Well, that was the other thing that he, he said about the futurist. He was like, if you take the beast as the. <laughs> If you take the beast as the European Union, and I'm like, Doug, nobody's taking the beast as the European Union if you're a uh, if you're a futurist and a premillennialist. It's like you're you're. But gonna... that wasn't the futurist position he was saying. No, the he, was futurist... saying the, he was saying the historicist. No, no, position no, 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 no. For the European Union. Yeah, that was the futurist. That's the futurist yeah. position, and I'm like, Doug, I understand. Because he's like the 1519 Saint Bartholomew as, um, as the his, as okay the, uh, his massacre. Yeah, but that would have been just people not history. well, not people today, but I'm sure people in like the 1500s they did say that. Yeah. Oh, they did. No, uh, yeah. like the reformer. Like yeah. Many of the reformers right. took the papacy as right. the beast, um, and so they they took a historicist view yeah. um, of it. So I'm not, you know, trying to knock it too much, even though technically mm-hmm. I want to, but um, I'm trying to be genuine and you know yeah. generous. Yeah. yeah, be generous. I'm not really being genuine to the idealists, but I don't feel like I'm yeah. impacting too many people. But I'm sorry if there's a bunch of you out there that are really <laughs> oh, you those know, idealists out there. There's lots of idealists. That leave watch your us. hate. Leave your hate speech in they're, the comments they're below. Flocking to watch our YouTube. <laughs> I mean, they'll be they'll be hate speech, but <laughs> not for the idealists. You. Um, the, they'll be picketing the church next week. He just said that the two witnesses are essentially well. When evil comes against yeah, yeah. Christians, yeah. Christians will fall, but then they'll come which back. Is, which is, and God will vindicate them. Like, like it really takes any kind of um, real, real value out of the book mm-hmm. that was given to John. Right. Zero meaning to right. the immediate audience. To hand to the right. people because right. it's like, mm-hmm. well, here's a cool story. You know, yeah. that's all it is. Yeah, yeah it would yeah. be like here's. Here we we wrote this cool. God gave me this cool story for yeah. you folks. You know, yeah. No, no, it's just an allegory. You know, it's okay. Yeah, yeah but you're talking about the church and and mm-hmm. <laughs> right. in Ephesus, and I'm right. there. Right. How did, well, like, I mean, did what, this affect me? Yeah. No, no, it's it's no. One thing yeah. about the Book of Revelation is the first three chapters. I remember yeah. not. I remember just being like, I almost would skip, skip the first three chapters, get to four, where you get all of the um, all of the the, the Judgments. Um, you get the oh, that's good. You get the bulls and the trumpets. Sure your and personality. The, 
Well, I was just like, I don't know. Let's get to the good I, stuff. I'm like, let's get to the part where yeah, Left Behind. It was literally like, oh, let's get to the part that like Left Behind talking about where it's going to happen in our future because the first three are like, oh, yeah, he's yeah. writing to these churches well, who course. exist there. So that can't be for our future. No. Oh, let's get to chapter four because that starts our future. Oh, no, it couldn't be and for, it's like, for past. I, I just I, I just remember being like, you know, and we're going to get into the preterist position in a, in a little bit. I just remember being like, why, why was I throwing out the first three chapters, essentially, of the book of Revelation in the, in, in the context of meshing with the entire book, right? Where it's like, oh, well, there's just this gap in number four where it's like, all right, and we're done with the immediate context. Now we're yeah. into the, two, you know, the yeah, 3,000 yeah. years in the future Whatever, context. Yeah. And it's like, mm-hmm. it, it is, it is um, yeah, it's always been something. I'll, br- I'll bring something up that, that Doug doesn't mention in this that I find a really... Um, fascinating thought, and and it and it has to do with the, this kind of preterist viewpoint, mm-hmm. and that um, where he talks about that he, he he believes, I believe it, I believe he said this that he believes that that we we still are the early church, mm-hmm. yes. you know, and I, I, that is such That's, an interesting viewpoint. Well, it's definitely not a viewpoint I've ever heard. <clears throat> yeah, um, before the past three years when I've right. studied the. Right. Position. Yeah, yeah, we're always thinking we're in the last times. Right. We're in the last times. We're in the last times. It's like we could still be the early church. Yeah, you know, growing and growing and growing mm-hmm. and learning to to um, uh, you know, as this, as Jesus says that um, you know, uh, when the Spirit comes, He'll lead you into all truth. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we're still in that mm-hmm. state where we're learning how to to be the church. Mm-hmm. We're we're a, we're, uh, we're like this young mm-hmm. church growing and learning how to mm-hmm. be like Christ. And uh, I, that's such a cool thought, mm-hmm. actually. And it's possible that some of the <clears throat> views overlap in yeah. terms of their truth, too. Yeah. Like, I think even Doug, I'm actually, I know that Doug, and uh, a lot of post-mills and preterists who would be primarily preterist, but they would still say, you know, the church is still going to go through tribulation in, sure. in all the way through church history, right? Um, you know, even a, a verse in Revelation that says, uh, he'll never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my father and his angels, right? That's talking to a specific church, right? That's to the church in Sardis. It doesn't mean that's only to the, the people in the church at Sardis at that time, right? We take principles from it, just like we would sure. from the rest of the yeah, Bible that are still true for today, which even though that might be um, not not literally preterist in that sense, but some of them, uh, some of these principles can still go through to today as well. We just have to be careful to not play too fast and loose mm-hmm. with the things. Yeah, you know, I, I think understand princi- yeah, princi- what is written. Here. Principle was a good yeah. word in the sense of it is that, like that was written to the people in the church in Sardis, mm-hmm. but you can take just like you would in a narrative yeah, or the book right. of, of Romans, Any you know, yeah. or Ephesians. You can you can yeah. you can take you can take. That truth that is written to the and about the church in Sardis, mm-hmm. and say, and this up, uh, this also applies elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But it the function of the text mm-hmm. is still to the church in mm-hmm. Sardis. It Sar- Sardis yeah. Sardis. Yeah. Um, so you, you I'm trying to sort this all out. Sardis. <laughs> so you can't. You, you don't want to like remove that and just be like, well, that's only for the church. It's like, well, right, right. Okay, so he's writing to the church in Sardis, right. and he's saying a spiritual truth that we can get sure, elsewhere sure. in scripture true, yeah. that is, yeah. is to them in this book right. so we're not saying that this is the only place that we're getting it and so it's to the churches you know it's right. like, so but so there are our principles i think there's yeah. one thing that you did touch on that i just wanted to touch on before we get to preterism and that is please and that is the fact that there are threads 
to, I can't say each, I would say at least in the futurist and the preterist position, um, there are threads that would would merge in the sense of um, there there is a John like there is a belief of full preterism, which we would right. actually say is I did want to get into that is heretical, is heretical and because it's uh, essentially saying that the the resurrection is already everything's already happened. Um, Jesus's second yeah. coming. It really does deny the second coming, um, but it also would say that the resurrection that has already happened. You want to deny his physical resurrection, too. Right. And so uh, it's very Gnostic in its view of of that. It's Mm -hmm. everything is just we're waiting to go to a, you know, floaty place as a spirit. Floaty place. Um, But can't uh, wait to get there. So technically the term would be to be a partial preterist. And even within that, we are partial preterists because there are certain things in Scripture that we have a futurist understanding sure. of. Um, and, and in that sense, we align with the futurists on certain things. So 1 Corinthians 15, where it talks about the last enemy to be um, put under his feet is death, the um, resurrection of the dead. Mm-hmm. And that we are, we would not say has already happened. Right, right. right. Like um, that we, we have not actually had the glorified bodies uh, in the consummate mm-hmm. um, well, well some of us mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen my lifeguard Bob <laughs> okay That's with that being said um, you know you can push play if you want but I obviously uh, don't I was, have I was going to say Good two work, other quick right. things before we go into the preterism thing one is um, I, I think that if, even if you don't accept the preterist position, one thing that you're going to have to come to grips with, and R.C. Sproul said this once, and I don't know how else to deal with it from a futurist point of view, but Jesus says, uh, some of you, no, um, to the apostles, you're not going to finish going through the towns of Israel until the Son of Man comes. Yeah. So have we to have to that. accept mm-hmm. that there could be a sense in which Jesus is coming, which could be con- viewed as a second coming, without it being the final coming. Right. And that's what Doug is going to bring up when, in the Old Testament, many times it says that the Lord comes on the clouds, but it's in judgment. It's not the the glorious appearing that, it, that then would bring on the resurrection of the dead, right? So you have to do something with that. And the apostles went through the towns of Israel, you know, like, we're not waiting for the apostles to go right. through Israel. So, right. So I would just challenge you, like, it's going to be tough if you are not at least in some form a preterist. I don't know how else you would deal with that. Please I leave mean, it in the comments I mean, because what is, else does the Son of Man coming mean? This is how you could deal with it. All right. The resurrected apostles. He's talking about that. That they get after the resurrection, then they go through the towns of Israel. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that Bethel has apostles still floating around. There you go. There you go. <laughs> That's right. Um, anyway, so that, I was waiting so, so long that, to get that. That was good. Um, so, and uh, many times, not just in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, Jesus talks about his coming, yeah. and it's to that generation, and, and you have to deal with that. So I take it pretty naturally, I think, when in the Old Testament... God talks about coming on the clouds and stuff like that doesn't necessarily mean the second coming. Well, what everybody knows of as the second coming. Sure. It doesn't necessarily mean that. Um, other, and that's where full preterism comes from. Because they say, well, Jesus didn't lie. Right. So, And it obviously was for that time period. And so the second coming happened and then the resurrection happened. And it's like, well, we can't go there, you know, because that is heresy. Um, and so you have to do something with that. So that's my one point. And then the other one is 
uh, the one thing that I would like for us all to be able to do is get away from traditions that are not established from Scripture. And right. so even so, things like, well, the Antichrist, when he comes and talking about in Revelation, and the Antichrist, the word is not mentioned in the book of Revelation. Right. So, <laughs> like, if you're going to make those connections, and John MacArthur kind of did some of that, of just, like, making connections without validating that, like the seven years and stuff, it's like... He didn't go into Daniel and talk about the seven years at all. But the same thing with the Antichrist. People just bring it up in the book of Revelation as if it's in there. And it's like, you're saying the beast is the Antichrist, the Antichrist, and even like the Antichrist as one person is not mentioned in right. Scripture at all. Right. The only time it's, it's mentioned is that many Antichrists mm -hmm. have come. So you have to do a ton of, like, if you're going to try to make that connection, you have to do a ton of work. You can't just assume the beast equals Antichrist. Where are you getting that from? Um, not even saying that it's impossible to make that connection, sure. but what like what but you have work have you it. done yeah. what, in Scripture to make that connection work? Right. And the same thing for something like 666, right? Where it's like, it's the number of a man. It's not the Antichrist's, like, or Satan's number, you know, kind right. of thing, right? So that's well, just a tradition. Well, if you think we the beast on. is the Antichrist and is, you know, devil incarnate, you know, then, okay, then that's where you get that from. But it's a man. Uh, I know. It's a man. It's not Satan. I know. <laughs> but, but, in, but possessed by Satan. But where is that in the Bible? That's... I don't know. <laughs> we just make it as if it's Satan's number. <laughs> and John explicitly says that this is the number this of a human of, being. Yeah. And let so. him who has wisdom right. understand. Like, know who this is. Yeah. And then, of course, the numbers adding up equal literally and, the letters Nero Caesar yeah and know, the people it's like, who it's talking about Nero would have understood right, that right just to burst your bubble the number 666 technically is a textual variant and it could be yeah, the number be 616. 616 yeah but why <laughs> what do you know why yes because they both can add up to the name of Nero but what I mean is is that the number exactly. that's what that's what they understood enough. it to be but they the, under the early church understood it to be what Nero. I mean is that the number 666 might not even be in the original text. Mm -hmm. Like, it might be the number 616, right, and right. you're taking the number 666. Right, as if the num there's something inherent in the yeah. number right. that makes it satanic. Yeah, but then it's like, but that. then it's like, what but that's not doing? even the number. The number 616. But either way, both numbers, because it's in we different... We shirts, man. Like, say 616. <laughs> is there a problem with 616 as well? Is that also <laughs> a problem? Like, oh, what does that mean? Are you a fan oh, of Nero? Of least, it's a... This is a satanic number, man. <laughs> we'll have a picture of Nero in his like soldier outfit. It is the number of a man. Six one six. All right. Nobody will know. Nobody will know. So that was position. Yeah. So only, that was, that was a quick a half an hour diatribe. Um, you can actually get a real expert who's actually spent like thirty five years studying this topic. Well, we you're tried. That, you're that old. <laughs> we tried, but we couldn't. You asked your good friend, Ken Gentry, and he did not. Your good friend. I asked his good friend. That was the problem. I'll email him the link. The I'll email him the link and be like, listen, this is what happens when you don't come on the exactly, podcast. Well, exactly. He's going to be like, you guys didn't summarize it well. To be honest, I, I think we do need to, to make more than one appeal with, with folks sometimes. That's I have to learn, to learn to make appeals. He gets a for lot that kind of, of stuff. I get that. But we, we have to make ourselves I would say that hit button, appealing. but it's really just hit play. Okay. Advocated here by we me is called the preterist oh, man, position. Dude. This word comes from a Latin prefix meaning past. 
This is the view that the things prophesied in Revelation were in John's immediate future and which were therefore fulfilled in our distant past, back in the first century. An example of a preterist reading would be interpreting the seven heads of the beast, Revelation 17.10, as seven Roman emperors, starting with Julius and the one currently reigning as the sixth, being Nero. Sorry. Sorry. I, I just, I just want to talk about that. Oh. I just, just want to talk about that. So, so in that, in that case, case, with preterism, it's, it's saying things, things like, like with 666 or 616, it's identifying Euro-led Roman. Roman. Mm -hmm. And it's also, and this comes up, up, yeah. 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 This, this actually comes up in the video, video so I don't know if you guys got to it. Yeah, in your part two, I think you got to So a little shout out to that video. It just came out. So the Euro-led Rome, it, it, it references, references um, city, city uh, with, with the city, city on seven hills, hills right? mm -hmm. and, 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 and everybody, everybody understands, understands that, that being Rome. Rome. It's, it's like, like it's just like, like if you right. say the Big, Big Apple, Apple is, is New York, York right? right? So, so if, if I write, write that, that, like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, it's in the Big Apple, Apple everybody, everybody knows that. that. Um, and you, and also you also have, have like, like, oh, med measure, measure this number, like the number of men, right? It's 666 or 616. And so, so it's like, okay, so that equals Nero. Nero. It's like, I, I know, I know who, who you're talking, talking. Yeah. 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 Um, And, and so, so the point, point is that he's not literally or woodenly saying that this is Rome. He's not woodenly saying that, but he is naturally saying that. Everybody, Everybody knows, knows right. what this is. Um, it would have been, been obvious to the people who read it. Technically, it's obvious now. Um, <laughs> like, 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 even, even for me. Well, now, now it's you only because, because you have heard of it. Well, well, I mean, because I, well, I, mean, I, mean, I, I understand, understand that, that um, like, like Rome is the city except the house. Not everything is. Well, but not everything is going to be like that in Revelation. Mm -hmm. But there are certain things in Revelation or Daniel or time, that are time indicators for the context that it was written in. Yeah. That makes, like we said, the time indicators are some of the most clear yeah. indicators that we can take from uh, from any prophecy interpret, passage. Interpret the clear, the, the hard and unclear passages with. Um, wow! <laughs> via the clear passage. Right? <laughs> that was beautifully said. Interpretative. Interpretative. <laughs> Making up words. What kind of pastor are you today? You didn't say I'm not, no. no, because we're just not, the brothers. I'm not any kind. Yeah, because he starts it. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, we rotate. We rotate. Yeah. yeah. So next week he'll be our, I don't know, lollipoperous pastor or something. Oh, you know? okay. I was going to say ubiquitous, but I don't know what that word means, even though I use it all the time. No, it just means seemingly present everywhere, which is Jamie, actually. Ubiquitous. Yeah. That's such a great word, actually. So that's why Jamie called us the Syrian brothers. That's I, I He's know. naming us today. I, okay. I just, and I'm just i glad that they know now. Yeah. Uh, they already know. This everybody knows this, except for you. Yeah. There's a lot of coming okay. late to the party. There's, bro. there's yeah. a lot of things like that. Now, since preterism is the view we are teaching here, Can't how would that position work <laughs> with the example given earlier, that of the Lord's comments about the sun, moon, and stars? We agree with our futures that the this sun, so moon, and stars are all still up there, and we differ with them about whether or not they are all going to collapse at some point in the future. So, how could that work? If we say that scripture uses particular images, we want to make sure that we draw the meaning of such images from the scriptures themselves, and not from whatever that image might remind us of. Mm -hmm. It should not be an exercise in free association, mm -hmm. where you read the prophecies of scripture and ask if this reminds you of anything you have seen on the news recently. Mm -hmm. 
The fact that you saw an Apache helicopter firing a machine gun to the rear might remind you of a flying scorpion with a sting in its tail. But when Jesus <laughs> talked about the solar system, the I just want to say. I've never seen a helicopter like that and thought that's like a scorpion. I've heard I've heard people talk about that. That's what people like the that. futurists yeah. say that a lot. Which by the way is not a literal interpretation. I know. I think that's very funny. Literal would be a scorpion. Yeah. 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 I it's very confusing. Apache helicopter is a metaphor. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. a metaphorical interpretation. Well, yeah, they're not expecting to see flying scorpions and Well then they're not taking it literally. Stuff. But they are expecting to see a beast with seven heads, or a dragon, with, or a, yeah, a dragon with seven heads. How about a yeah. woman on top of a dragon, well, drunk with wine? Whatever that is. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Sorry, sorry. We'll learn what to scholars you. call decreation language. <laughs> he was quoting from the prophet Isaiah. Moreover, he was doing this in response to a question from his disciples about when Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. They asked that in Matthew twenty-four three. Jesus had predicted the destruction of Jerusalem. The disciples asked when it would happen. In the course of his response, the Lord used this image from Isaiah. This decreation language shows up twice in Isaiah. Quote, For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened and is going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. That's Isaiah 13.10. This is the passage that Jesus quotes. But what was Isaiah talking about? He was talking about the destruction of ancient Babylon. Quote, the oracle concerning Babylon, which Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw. That's Isaiah 13.1 in the ESV. And when he uses very similar... Mm-hmm. Language, I'm sorry. Um, so some people will say in Revelation, when you go to the preterist position... We, we learn to forgive you as well. <laughs> um, and they'll say, well, yeah, Jesus maybe was talking to those people in that generation, right? This generation will pass away. But that is a secondary fulfillment to the bigger fulfillment sure. that's going to come at the end of the world, right? I think the problem with that and, and saying, yeah, it was for them, but then it's also going to be for um, a second fulfillment later on. The problem with that is look at what Isaiah just prophesied. He prophesied the sun going down and the moon being darkened and turned to blood as an oracle against Babylon at that time. Now, if you're saying, well, yeah, but that's also going to come later. Sure. It might come later. But Isaiah is not talking about that. Mm-hmm. He's talking about a specific time in history that that actually happened. Then, it did. sure, and it, and it actually did happen. And so nobody's looking at that Isaiah passage and be like, "Yeah, that's going to happen in the future." We're not looking forward to that. Why? Because obviously Isaiah meant a specific prophecy that yep. was fulfilled. Yep. And so there's no room to say, "Well, yeah, in our future that's going to happen too." There's nothing that would make you want to say that. Right. The only reason that we would want to say that for Jesus's prophecies is because we know that the second coming is going to happen at some point. But I don't think Jesus is talking about the second coming when he's predicting the same type of judgment on Jerusalem. Right. That's going to be judgment on Jerusalem. That's a one-time thing. Unless you have good reason to put it also in the future. Sure. But just like Isaiah, it was a one-time thing, and then that was it. And that's, I think, the way that we're to see Jesus's prophecy as being like there's a temple and it's going to be put down to ruins like, and that's that's what Jesus' prophecy that's the extent of what Jesus' prophecy was yeah. saying time wise yeah. do, do you want to no okay I had, I had one well, I had one thing on it um, you know yeah you get you only get like 20% of the words you, you normally get in because I'm talking to someone no this is great well so I, I would ask if you hold to a futurist position right on the words of Jesus there right 
I would also ask, do you, like your point, would you also hold to a futurist position on the Isaiah passage? And if you right. don't, then you are a, in, in some sense, you are a partial preterist. Mm-hmm. There are passages in the scriptures that were future to the writer, Isaiah, and f- fulfilled in the future time of Isaiah, but in our past. Mm-hmm. So there is an example of if, if you take the oracle concerning Babylon to have been fulfilled when Babylon gets sacked in history, and if you take that to be fulfilled, uh, to be fulfilling Isaiah 13, mm-hmm. you have just understood the partial preterist position. Mm-hmm. That is, you've already understood a passage with the partial preterist understanding. Mm-hmm. So you may not apply that in Matthew 24 yet, or in the book of Revelation yet, mm-hmm. or in the book of Daniel chapter 9 yet, or etc. But you have done it previously in other passages of scripture. Mm-hmm. And so it isn't a position that I think should just be discarded. First mm-hmm. off, there's a, there's a lot of very smart people out there in terms of, that are to be respected, like R.C. Sproul or Greg Bonson or Jeff Durbin or um, yeah, you could even or go to Edwards, Doug Wilson. Um, so there's like there's a lot of um, yeah people not, who are not, respected. It's not an outlandish position, right. position, right. Um, which are just some of the greatest like right. minds even in, in Christian history, either currently or in in, um, in throughout uh, Christian history. But um, but th- think about it yourself. Is that how I take Isaiah 13 to be fulfilled already? Mm-hmm. Then I already understand what the partial preterist is saying mm-hmm. when they say I interpret this passage with a partial preterist understanding Mm -hmm. uh, or with a preterist understanding Um, and again like we would not take every passage in scripture we are not full preterists so we are partial preterists and it's just what extent and which passages Mm -hmm. like have I like what you said good reason or where the the text indicates Mm -hmm. uh, that we should be taking the the, uh, passage that way. Looking for it in our future and not for our past. And again, an example is Isaiah 13. We have no reason to not say, well, Isaiah prophesied, it happened in his future, happened in our past, and we we don't use a futurist understanding of that passage. We use a preterist understanding of that passage. And so, you know, Mm -hmm. we are now talking about Matthew 24, which is a highly discussed right. chapter but again not that it's so I'm like well I just throw that out it's definitely to be mm-hmm. like you use it <laughs> you already use the and, understanding Jesus is quoting from Isaiah like he's using the same yeah, it's the same language the same language yeah that is the thing I think that got me the most of how I often I don't understand the scriptures sometimes when I when I don't understand the imagery of the Old Testament mm. or, oh, that was in Isaiah. You mean that book was 66 chapters that is, like, really long to get through. And it's like, yep, those are important. Those are yeah. important to understand. Yeah. But it's also a test of a prophet. Isaiah was saying, like, I'm a prophet from God. Look at this oracle I'm giving from God. That's you're you're going to be able to see mm-hmm. that I am a true prophet because this is coming upon Babylon. Yeah. It's not something 2,000 years in the future because how could that prove Isaiah's pro- right. prophet ministry? Well, that, and that the same falls, thing for Jesus. Yeah, it's the same thing for Jesus. Yeah, but I, I think that the, really the biggest, the biggest, uh, hmm. one of the biggest problems is that that people are not they're not consistent in their in their theology to begin with, but then also in their eschatology. So some people would see that Isaiah passage 
it mentions Babylon. And they go, oh, that must be the same Babylon in Revelation, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and which is in our future mm -hmm. kind of thing. So, so there's not this this depth of understanding mm -hmm. of like, well, no, like this is a prophecy for this time. Mm -hmm. This was fulfilled. And then, you know, so hopefully through this kind of conversation, you know, I know for us, you know, um, well, I could speak for, for myself for yeah. sure that this kind of conversation has helped really kind of line up, you know, um, my, my eschatological viewpoint. Mm -hmm. It's not, I'm not a hundred percent, but, mm -hmm. but at least I start to look at things a little bit different. You know, I'll yeah. look at the passage and, and I'll, I'll start asking those questions. You know, when did this happen? Did it happen? Did it not happen? You know, and then you start really understanding what, what the scripture is trying to tell you. Mm -hmm. Not so. just gloss over it as, yeah. oh, I've read this before and I know what it says. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and it's, and it's like trigger words, you know. Mm -hmm. It's Babylon. Oh, mm -hmm. I read that in Revelation. Or abomination you know? of desolation. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it just becomes like a, a word that, you mm -hmm. know, it has no context. Mm -hmm except for the little bit of context you get from left behind you know? <laughs> and it's like it's like this doesn't you know you gotta you gotta look into it yeah and it's and it's great for for study you know yeah um so yeah, yeah definitely cool good stuff go for it man which in chapter go. 34 right after That's he right. uses this vivid imagery he tells us in the very next verse <laughs> that he was talking about the destruction <laughs> of edom Isaiah 34, 5. That's awesome. In fact, this kind of language is pretty common throughout the entire Old Testament, and it always refers to the temporal, historical judgment of a nation or city. In Joel, it refers to the nation of Israel right after the time of the Christ, Joel 2, 28-32, from Pentecost to the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. In Amos, it refers to the destruction of the northern kingdom of Israel, Amos 8, 9. In Ezekiel, the prophet uses this kind of language to describe the defeat of Pharaoh in Egypt, Ezekiel 32, 7 and 8. In scripture, this is what this kind of language always mm. means. So when the disciples ask what it meant in their day, and Jesus quotes from one of these passages, and Jerusalem is left a smoking ruin within one generation of that conversation, just as he said it would, it is not quote-unquote spiritualizing the text to take this straight up as a prophecy about the end of the old Mosaic order. Mm. Sorry, that is such a, a, a big thing for, for me to understand because to go back to preterism, you're kind of trying, you know, oh, I got I to gotta get... Everything has to fit in history, right? Get, get the hand. And, and what does end up happening is you can go into where it's like you're, you're just like, well, I just have to make it fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we don't want to do that. And we don't, don't want to do that. that. Yeah. Um, so there are times, well, I have to say, I literally said it at Daniel 9 at the beginning of this podcast. It's mm -hmm. like I would have to look into that more mm -hmm. in terms of um, like how it, would, how it would fit, how people have discussed this over over the course of church history, um, etc., and and then discuss it more. Yeah, parse um, out the details. But again, the the time indicators are so clear mm -hmm. um, that like to push a seven <laughs> to push a seventh week. Like, I mean, I mean, mm -hmm. uh, sorry, a seventieth week to, to three thousand years in the future or whatever it, it is like. Okay, let's, let's not start there. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. um, and and here. I think it doesn't it's naturally read that way. Yeah, I, I think it's important to to note that we aren't just spiritualizing the text or um, putting it back in history just right. just because it's like well we need to have it somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's okay to say 
I would need to look into what the, that mm-hmm. what all of those details can mean. Mm-hmm. But I have a clear time indication mm-hmm. that is screaming. This happened yes. in my past and into their future. Yeah. Let me delve into this more before just saying like, well, not every single detail could be explained instantly by me. So I'm just going to throw out that as a possibility. So it has to be in the future. I think it's um, a very, a very big point that he makes in this video. Mm -hmm. It's not just that we're spiritualizing it. And, and what Paul says when he's like, there's a heresy going around that the, the Jesus has come back already. Yeah. But he's like, I know that that's not true because we're still in our natural bodies, yeah. essentially, is what he says. And it's like, that's a really important point for us because, well, obviously then that that yeah, coming that, that coming hasn't happened yet either because we're still in our natural bodies still. And so that's one of the, like you said, like the, um, the clear things that we have to take why we're not full preterists. Because we still, uh, we're not in our glorified bodies yet. And so obviously that coming hasn't come yet. But you do have to make room for more than one coming of Jesus in the New Testament. You have to, or else you are going to go fall into a ditch um, one way or another. So what this language means is that God is saying something like this to a particular nation under judgment. Quote, your lights are going to go out. Close quote. He is not referring to the end of the space-time continuum. Jesus said to the disciples that within one generation, Matthew 24, 34, the entire solar system was going to come crashing down around Jerusalem's ears, just as it did in 70 AD. Almost there. Now, by this point, you are perhaps starting to wonder yes. if the world is not going to end with an epidemic of killer bees right out of a Hieronymus Bosch painting. <laughs> How is the world going to end? And this That's leads us to again. another set of terms taken from different understandings of the millennium. That's why this is important. Because if the, all of those terrible things happened in 70 AD, then it, we're not supposed to look forward to them in our future. So then what does our future look yeah. like? And that's where it gets into the millennium. Described in Revelation chapter 20. One wit has described the millennium as a thousand years of peace that Christians like to fight about. But more is actually involved than that. The three main positions are called the premillennial, the amillennial, and the postmillennial. The names are derived from when the advocates of these positions believe that Jesus will return. If you believe that he will return prior to the millennium, then you would be premillennial. If you believe that he will return sometime, but there is no earthly literal millennium. Remember that a prefix is a prefix of negation. You would be amillennial. If you believe, as I do, that he will return after the millennium, after the world has been successfully evangelized, then you would be post-millennial. There are a few other differences between the positions, and they are not trivial differences. The main one is that all post-millennialists have a very optimistic view of the future of this world believing that the Great Commission is going to be successfully fulfilled and that the nations will overwhelmingly turn to Christ. Most premillennialists and most amillennialists do not share that optimism, although there have been a handful of exceptions. Most premillennialists and amillennialists believe either that things are going to go from bad to worse or they're going to remain pretty much what they've always been, which is pretty bad. Which is what you said. Yeah, this is what I was referencing before. Mm -hmm. And... um, it's where I do differ slightly with Doug in, in just he's very optimistic about the future. And I guess I'm just kind of like optimistic about our current state of just like I just see the gospel 
being able to be accessed in so many mm-hmm. places. And then I see people like places like um, like Korea or um, India or Vietnam or like like places where it's like, oh, it's so hard to get the gospel right. in there and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, let's go get there too. Like, mm-hmm. let's let's go get them too. It's like mm-hmm. like, and so you know that just fuels more there. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I, that is where I I differ a little bit more about mm-hmm. where we currently are. Um, than Doug, um, than Doug would, and and then I've, you would have to define successfully Christianized, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah, right. yeah, um, and all of that comes from specific Bible passages that you would have to interpret, like where it says um, that Jesus is he's reigning now and he must reign until all of his enemies have been put under his feet. Mm-hmm. So he's reigning now and he's gonna reign until not it gets worse and worse and worse, but until all of his enemies are put under his feet yeah. and then the end will come. Suggests things getting better. Right. Yeah. And also that he's reigning in the midst of his enemies. Right. Which is very important because Psalm one ten. Yeah. Is Christ reigning now? Yes. Right. In the right. midst oh, yeah. of his enemies, right. and we perc- it's not that his are- enemies are all dead, and, the, and like whether we're waiting for that until he's really reigning. Yeah. It's like no, no, he's reigning in the midst of his enemies still being alive, right. and he's taking them out one by one. And then when he does that, um, then the end will come. That's First Corinthians fifteen, I believe. So, well, I think uh, um, this is uh, this is this is not really a digression, but but thinking about the different viewpoints. So from Premillennial, we'll just go with premillennial and postmillennial right now. With it, it, it seems that the and this is this is something that I, I have a problem with with the 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 premillennial viewpoint is that the premillennial viewpoint would would have its main purpose of going and making um, new Christians for the sake of what for the sake of their indiv- a person's the, the, individual, in, individual salvation. salvation. The post-millennial would, would be out trying to make new Christians for the sake of the kingdom mm-hmm. and the building of the church. And me personally, I, I feel like that lines up better with, with what the, the whole of, of uh, what the New Testament is really suggesting. Christ parables. Yeah. Right, so, like yeah, and even, even the, the work that Paul is doing and the work that, that the apostles mm-hmm. do. It's not it's not just I mean and, and the work to, with the church and this is why the the structure of the church is important and all these things because all of that stuff kind of falls apart if it's just an individualistic mm. you know mm-hmm. well good thing I got saved. Good thing I went out there and and these people got saved. Because it, it's like what well, it is it well, is a good you, thing. What do you do when well it, it is I'm not I'm not yeah. saying that's bad but but it but it's it's it's, so it's just that. the springboard. Yeah, you, you know, it's the springboard. It's, it's a smaller view. To, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it negates the the value of the work of the church. I think, mm-hmm. you know, or not negates, but but diminishes mm-hmm. the value of the work of the church. And and I, and I the think charge we of the Great see Commission that. To well, the, I think we see that in the culture today. You know, we see it in the church culture today that that it is, and we talk about this in, in counterculture. Um, but that there is that very individualistic, I have my salvation kind of thing. And it's like, oh, there's so much more to this. Mm-hmm. It's not even about you, mm-hmm. you know? It's not even about, yeah, great, you're saved. Now what, mm-hmm. you know? And it's, um, so So for me, that that's part of the drive, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't understand all of the, the little nuance, you know? And, and there's some things mm-hmm. in there where I'm like, mm, you know? But when it comes to 
which one seems to 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 um, to to have the spirit of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. To me, it's it, that post millennial viewpoint mm-hmm. because we, like. How do how do we line up with this discouragement? You know, you know how do you how do you as a you know listening to what Jesus says when he says you know be anxious for nothing you know do all you know it's like he's yeah. giving us these charges and then but but then we're walking through this world with this this idea of discouragement they're not seeing the vision of what's ahead and being inspired by that you know the premillennial looks at the vision of what's ahead and is is mm-hmm. now ang- anxious about that mm-hmm. and is you know and you can say well i'm not anxious about it but, well but what are you waiting if what for? jesus said in matthew you know? 24 is for our future you should be you anxious should be about an- right you yeah. should be concerned about yeah. that you should also um, pray that it's not on the side exactly and then you should be ready to run for the hills it's like yeah that is not a uh, that's not that's not a glorious picture but but you know, you know what i'm saying because yeah. that those are those are some of the things it's it's uh, that that drive my my viewpoint mm-hmm. because it's it's it, what is causing me to to think in a way that seems to be more lined up with the spirit of what the New Testament how we're supposed is to about. how we're supposed to you think know? and view the world yeah. as Christians, which yeah. is not in fear, but it's in sure like yeah, optimism, the pessimism, yeah. and yeah. Um, and like. I just uh, looking at the newspaper or, or now not the newspaper, but you know, watching stuff on YouTube sure. about all the horrors that are going on in Israel. Yeah. And you know, ho- hopefully if you care about the people in Israel, you're going to be really upset about that and sure. stuff and be like, Oh, but we're going to have like all this stuff is, is happening now. So you're kind of excited because people are dying. Right. <laughs> you know? This is exciting. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hold it. You're ready. They're going to be building the temple. <laughs> oh, don't get me started on Ezekiel 40, man. This is exciting. <laughs> Too excited for that those blasphemous sacrifices to be starting. Yeah, so so I just wanted to, to throw that out because yeah. as he was talking yeah. or as you were talking, I, I was thinking about it's it, a lot of it has to do with the vision. Of yeah, the people. what's the church's purpose you in know? our world? Yeah, yeah, and it's for like the increase of his government, right? Yeah. Will have no end. That's why I said it. it's about these biblical, like how you interpret those passages, because mm-hmm. um, that's a prophecy about Jesus. And so it's like the increase of his government is not necessarily just um, personal, sure, right? But it's sure. his government and of peace, there will be no end. And the yeah. zeal of the Lord of Hosts will accomplish that. I think I'm the only person probably who's kind of. <laughs> That's a good start. That's well, a good place no, to not the only, no, just that that kind of is. You have it, a word for us. No, yes, yes, a word. Find a, a revelation from the Lord. Um, who like sees like where the world's at that. right now, and I'm like, the church is winning. We're doing a good job. Like I think I'm like the only person who's like, it's great. Um, but, just depends on your perspective. Well, it really does. But also, um, just in terms of think about it this way, and I'm talking to you guys, the viewers now. I mean, and you guys. Um, the name of Jesus is literally like it's used as a swear word. Um, not not great, um, not what we want, but known mm-hmm. by so like people mm-hmm. know the name of Jesus, right? Um, and then uh, again, the scope of being able to send things from Jersey to you know the other side of the world in Vietnam or, um, or you know wherever instantaneously. And again, hear the name of Jesus in any language mm-hmm. that you want right yeah. it, it is again just unthinkable yeah. to like for the apostles it's like yeah we we got our message out and that um, i don't care how the gospel is being preached as long as the gospel is being preached that's mm-hmm. what paul says yeah. you know so 
you know, I, I think. Let me tell you something. From wait. Oh, wait. No. Oh, okay. Not, well, so not while, that's Joel. not the gospel. <laughs> so while we do have a lot of, of discussions in the church, the gospel at all. Um, you know, we have a lot of discussions in that's the not. church and a lot of debates in the church and everything like that. But it's like, we are brothers in Christ, though. Yeah. And like, so. And we're figuring out more and more about him. So, so when we talk <laughs> about, like, even when we just talk about, like, the gospel going out. It's like, that includes, like, well, that includes premillennialists, amillennialists, yes. and postmillennialists all getting the gospel right. out there. And so, again, from the postmillennial viewpoint, it's like, that, that is, that, that is awesome and amazing. Yeah. That it's, it, it's, it's not funny. just like, well, it's, it's gotta be people who only hold to, you know, yeah. my I- exact understandings yeah. of every single biblical text. It's that the name of Jesus and the gospel and the good news of his death and resurrection mm-hmm. and life in him is going everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, all over the world instantaneously. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I can't get over this. I yeah. it, I, it, I just see it as so yeah, because of, so awesome. of media and internet yeah. now. Yeah, you know. Um, and and I know <laughs> there's things like well, there's like abortion in America and it's horrible. And I'm like, yep, there are there are enemies that are still in the world yep, that we yet to be um, that, under that his need feet. to put under. But Roe v. Wade has been under his feet. And I was saying, it's like, listen. Be, People were praying for 50 years, and then it actually fell. Like, it actually fell. And it falls <laughs> under, under, a certain, under a certain president. I can't yeah, believe it. No uh, I mean, granted, all the work before them. Um, mm. But anyway, anyway, and there's, and there's still a ton more work to do in right. our country to yeah, actually yeah. get that where we want it to yeah. be. But again, it's just like, it, it's not all pessimistic. Right. Like, right. like, we have been praying for 50 years, and like... In all honesty, historically, that's a short period of time mm-hmm. to have your prayers actually answered. Like, we know nothing about actually waiting patiently right, right. for God to act. I mean, in... Uh, yeah, how long? For the Exodus, right? they waited 430 yeah, years. Yeah. It's like, like that's waiting, yeah. for, you know? So, anyway, just to yeah. push that whole... Um, yeah, have a perspective aligned in the right... The biblical way, really. And, like you said, James, in the optimism of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Here we go. There you go. So what is the foundation for our historical optimism? Well, that appears to be what numerous passages say. And unlike some of the apocalyptic passages we looked at, these appear to be simply straight-up predictions. Quote, And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Hmm. Genesis 12, 3. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord. And all the kindreds of the nation shall worship before thee. Psalm twenty-two, twenty-seven. God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Psalm 67, 7. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea, and from the river unto the ends of the earth. Psalm 72, 8. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Until. Psalm 110, 1. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Isaiah 11, 9. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. John 3, 17. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. John 12, 32. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Romans 4, 13. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. Galatians 3.8 
This is just a small selection of the passages of Scripture that promise a glorious future for this world in Christ. There are many more than these. And this is why Jesus told us to disciple all the nations, baptizing them and teaching them obedience to all of his commands. Matthew 28, 18-20. This is why Jesus taught us to pray for his kingdom to come, which it is most certainly doing. Among other things, we are to ask for his kingdom to come, not for his kingdom to go. Classic. That's so fire. <laughs> this is exciting! <laughs> we did it. We made it. So uh, let me just give a quick story, Tim, that you brought up about why this is really important yeah. too. You practice one other this reason. Yeah. So one of my good friends who we went to high school together, and I met up with him, I guess, last year, and he's actually not a believer anymore, um, which is really sad. Uh, under the influence of actually Bart Ehrman and some of the things like um, that, other atheists and things. And one of the one of the things he brought up to me was, and a lot of atheist apologists bring this up, that Jesus was a false prophet. Because he predicted that he was going to come back in that generation that he's talking mm-hmm. to, and he didn't do it. And so that's why he can't be trusted, and you know, yada, yada, yada. Right. Crisis of eschatology, as uh, mm-hmm. R.C. Sproul mm-hmm. put it. Right. And I, I couldn't stop laughing first because I just started studying preterism mm-hmm. and these different views. <laughs> and I was like, his name is James. And I was like, James, this is the funniest thing ever because I have an answer to that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Because, and and I don't know how much that he had studied this on his own, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it might have just been hearing somebody else, sure. like, throwing um, doubt into his belief of Jesus, and then kind of, that might have been a stepping stone to other things. But I got to tell him exactly what we talked about today, not the two-hour version, um, but how Jesus did come back in the way that he was talking about, which is not necessarily a physical uh, appearing, but it, but in terms of judgment, which in the Old Testament is very clear that God is bringing judgment, and this is referred to as coming. And so when Jesus says, you know, until the Son of Man comes, he's talking about that coming, not necessarily the second coming. And he comes to me, and he's like, well, I never, I never heard that any uh, before at all. But, but still, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make yeah, sense yeah. or whatever. And I'm like, look into it. You know, uh, it's, if it's a view you've never heard about or haven't thought or realized, look into it. Because if it's true, then sure. you should believe it. You know, whether or not it fits what you want to believe or not, right? You, you should always be looking for truth. So that's just one way, and like a very practical example of how um, it, these things are really important, right? And understanding what we believe about. Um, what Jesus said especially because that if Jesus can be trusted as a true prophet yeah. that he predicted the future his resurrection and this judgment in that generation that is a huge score for the validity uh, of Jesus oh, which, absolutely. Is a, which is a good assumption which is yes, a good assumption is, exactly <laughs> the spirit of death so <laughs> exactly <laughs> alright yeah that's a, that's a killer so, point man yeah, yeah. Yeah. Any closing thoughts about any of you guys? Don't be fearful, mm-hmm. you know, of, of what we're, we're seeing ahead, you know, regardless of your eschatological viewpoint, although it, it, would, be, it would be really hard, I guess, to see, to, see um, to not see what you might believe is, ha- is going to come in the future, mm-hmm. you know, like Matthew 24 mm-hmm. and, and all that kind of bad stuff, and not be, like, nervous about it. Mm-hmm. But... But um, but yeah, yeah, we we're the church. We're the church, and I I I struggle to see how the church having God's perfect word 
and God's Holy Spirit that we are just trashed in this world. Oh, this this was what um, the video said before, but that Jesus came, or maybe you said it. Uh, Why don't you say it first and then we'll decide. I hope Jesus said it. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus came to, to Israel, but he gave the call to go to the rest of the world. Right. Jesus came to the right. lost of Israel. Yeah. Yes. That is such a cool point, mm-hmm. you know? And um, it's our job. Yeah. Right? And to it is our job yeah. to go to the nations. It's not. It's, it wasn't Christ's job to yeah. go to the nations. He's like, mm-hmm. I've only come to. Yeah. He literally exactly. says, like, yeah. nope, I've only come to the lost of Israel. Right. And then right. the, the woman says, you know, I want the scraps from the table. And yeah. so then he, then mm-hmm. he gives it. But and the, and the, wasn't the, his primary goal. But the work was done by Jesus oh, mm-hmm. to yes. allow us, yeah. to give yeah. us the ability to go out and, and uh, because power, all authority by the power given, of the Spirit. Right. Right. Yeah. Him. By the power of the Holy Spirit, wait for me in, in uh, you know, wait for me in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. you know, until, until, you, receive until you receive power. And then go. Yeah. And, and, then and, go. and then it's like, so so we have that same power yeah. to be able to go and to to do what the apostles were doing in a sense, you know, and, yeah. you know, we can get into all yeah, yeah. Bring, bring gifts, the but to bring the gospel to bring to the, the nations, gospel to all the and nations. to to transform, Sorry. transform this world. You know, for the for the the uh, for the pleasure of God, mm-hmm. you know, for His good pleasure, you know, that's what we were, you know, we're saved for His good pleasure, mm-hmm. not for our good pleasure, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and we reap the benefit of His grace, sure, definitely. But at the same time, we're we're called to a calling. This is a like we're called to move, you know, to yeah. do, then to and to not fear and to not be anxious and mm-hmm. to you know yeah. and you know we haven't received the spirit of, of fear but of, of love and power right. and of a sound mind it's like like there's so much mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. that should that should motivate it should us. drive us yeah and 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 unfortunately that that that, that really that pre-millennial viewpoint squashes all of that and makes it like like Could well you're no better than everybody else you know the church is not not mm-hmm. stronger than anything it's not better than anything it it really is just going to be crushed mm-hmm. by the by this enemy of god you know yeah. and it's like what what yeah. in the world you know and uh and like it, Doug said some premillennials still can have an optimistic view sure know? sure but, but yeah, by and, and you large, have to be you know yeah i love that because yeah. that's fair but but by and large it's it's very difficult to have that mm-hmm. because i mean we lose I mean, we win in the end, but we lose, you, you know. Right, right, yeah. And uh, and I, like the verse that or a statement that pops into my head, it's like you know the, the meek inherit the earth. Mm-hmm. You know, when he said that, it wasn't you know he didn't say the new earth. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, it's like the meek inherit the earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this right. is like practical stuff yeah. for today. Yeah. You know, for the church. Yeah. Um, at least I think so. Yeah. That's that's my. Two cents. Your charge, yeah. yeah, to the audience, yeah. So, be encouraged, people. Please, mm-hmm. oh, please. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, what do you got? What do you got I think we're winning. Like, so, so if you're, if you're talking about an optimistic go, viewpoint, baby. like I'm there. Um, I think yeah. we're winning too. And I think we keep winning. You know, yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, get 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 the word out. The name of Jesus is known everywhere. So, like, if people reject him, 
there's nothing you can do. You can't force them down their throats. Yeah. But you know what you can do? You can bring, bring the, the gospel, gospel to all the yeah. nations. And then and the, the rest work. the rest is the spirit. Is yeah. The rest is the Lord. And, um, you know, we got to do it. I have to do it more. You know, right. uh, we, yeah, all, we all have yeah. to do it. And yeah. it, it, it could just be here in our own little, mm-hmm. you know, pockets, our own little workplaces, our own little... Um, you know, neighborhoods and, Circles, yeah. and everything. And I think it does start primarily there. Um, you know, or it could be on YouTube. On you now, now, you, I mean, you have so, so many things on yeah. YouTube. Um, or it could be that, you know, you're going and I'm just going to start visiting different countries that are closed out and we're going to start taking over that. You know, it. that's, that's really, I, I, I think that, that should be like the next primary yeah. goal of the church. It's like, what's knocked down? Where's the gospel these whole not things? been reached enough? Yeah. And let's go. Where, where it's like just, what, we want to we want to open those doors, get it there, and then let the let the work of the spirit do the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that, I, 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 not not just in the sense of of sharing the gospel, but but being involved, you know, mm-hmm. like we mm-hmm. were talking about with the, setting up in the constitution. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah, in, instituting so the being right, being right. civically active, being right. active in in the community, um, having the influence, yeah. you know, of what a life in Christ looks yeah. like. And then, then voting that way and doing those things that, like, like m- m- my perspective, I want to say in ten years, Jersey's gonna, New Jersey's gonna be a red state. That's my like. Let's go. Um, I I don't see it as impossible, you know. But it but it takes the work of the church yeah. to make that happen, you know. Mm-hmm. So and that's. I think it's something to be said of like, the, you know, let's take a closed off nation, and that like, uh, I. I think is it Korea? Is closed North off, Korea, yeah. right? So totally. let, let, let's take that, right? It's totally closed off. Like we can't even get our YouTube, like you know, we could, you couldn't even get YouTube in there, right? And it's like, okay, we'll get that. You know what I mean? So it's like, but but the first thing that can happen does need to, to then be like it can't just be. Well, let's start going in there, and uh, we'll just Christianize people one by one, type of thing. There, there. I mean that that can happen, and mm-hmm. that that might actually be the start. Sure. But you know what also has to happen. Level. You know what also has to happen is that government system yeah. has to come down mm-hmm. so that the gospel can yeah. come in right. at a full thing. So yeah. like, another, I think another I, enemy to put under Jesus's feet. Right. So I do think so what you're saying is being active and involved in bringing oh, the absolutely. kingdom to absolutely. the actual infrastructure of nations like we have here in america like i think it's something that obviously i wish america was better and more christian right right? i think we we need to fight for more christian principles everywhere in Uh the states um but we are still free to proclaim the gospel and um and and to 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 reach it but not every country is like that yeah so it does start with um you know tearing tearing down those governmental authorities that are like nope we're not getting there Mm -hmm. and fighting like for for the states itself right pushing that back of like people who are trying to get it to be like nope we can't have that or like oh nope the christian gospel is hate speech now so we have to like restrict you know what i mean like nope we have to fight against that if if that starts to rise up we need to squash that and um yeah so that's just Mm -hmm. my eight thousand cents that i uh Ended this podcast. That's like a couple dollars. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, well, that's right. going to do it for uh, for us. Um, thank you so much for watching. Uh, be sure to subscribe to uh, Freedom Church NJ. Uh, check out our sponsors, Born Again Baking and uh, Today's Choice. And go see Sound of Freedom. Oh, yeah, Sound of Freedom. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to see that. Yeah, it's going to uh, be good. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Tim, for thank joining you. us. It was a blast. Our, our resident president scholar. <laughs> that's right.
President, resident preterist <laughs> scholar. What am I talking about? Our, our president, <laughs> what? And, and I didn't even get you know, to be this. encouraged. And we gotta get that button ready. This is Christ's promise: the gates of hell will not prevail against the Church of Christ. Amen. This is exciting. <laughs> <laughs>